It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Thank you for joining us for a Thursday edition of the podcast. We are grateful that you would listen. We're grateful for your uh, feedback, your response, your critique, um, and especially your questions, because they're always thought-provoking and on point and relevant to things that are going on in the world. So thank you for all of that. And with that, we will bring in the uh, hosts of the podcast, even though it might possibly have my name. I don't think that confuses anyone. The host of the podcast, Mary Langston, how are you? I'm doing fine, Trey. How about you? I don't have any real complaints. There's a big game coming on this Sunday, I think. I may be wrong on that. Yeah, I, I would <laughs> literally, I, I'm, I'm debating between whether to get all my uh, 2023 tax information together <laughs> that afternoon or... Uh, like painting a wall in in my office and just watching the paint dry, I could not care less who wins that football game. I just well, I, I hate I hate to say that, and I know a lot of people like care about the commercials, which I do not. Ah, uh, you know what the biggest thing to me that happens on Sunday is what is that? South Carolina plays UConn in women's basketball. Mm, that's right. And I, I will definitely watch that, even though we are without our starting center. Um, I'll definitely watch that. Who wins between the Chiefs and the 40? I mean, there's no way they can both lose, is there? Mm-mm. So one has to win? I mean, I guess so. I'm sure, you know, they'll have thoughts on, I didn't play the best I could, or I could have done this better. So I don't know if that's kind of... A not so winning thought, but there's a winner and a loser. Yeah. Well, if they can't both lose, then I don't. I, I don't know what I'll. I don't know what I'll do Sunday. I have a show Sunday night. I'll probably sit around and and wait and see if like something happens where I I need to go live. Mm-hmm. Rarely am I sitting there keeping my fingers crossed that something will happen, but I just, I, I don't know. Honestly, I probably will start getting the tax information together to go take to the to the guy that does my taxes. Because I just, uh, with Dallas out of it, I've just lost interest. So, Okay, well, that's fair. Well, I'm sure there's somebody out there that's excited about the game, but we'll, we'll oh, watch yeah. the paint dry. Or... Yeah, the rest of the world. <laughs> I'm all by myself. I'm the only no, one in the world not. who's not excited. But, I mean, you ask, and I wanted to be honest. I I just, I, I mean, I just, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to well, watch. I'm going to watch women's basketball Sunday. That's the that's going to be the <laughs> highlight of my Sunday. Well, that works, and I'm sure there are people in the same boat as you, Trey, who aren't ex- excited about the game. But we'll look forward to the Gamecock game, and I guess we better get started on these questions. We have a lot of them today. Are you ready? I think so. I hope so. 
Okay, we'll get started. We're grateful that y'all send us your thoughts and your questions. We'll start with a question from Mark all the way from Australia, who writes, why do people declare their voting tendency? Mark, all the way from Australia, which, by the way, as an aside, I think I read yesterday that a major U.S. um, air carrier is going to now have direct flights from Dallas-Fort Worth to Australia. So if I can get John Ratcliffe to pay me just a little bit of the money he owes me from golf debts, then (laughs) I could, in theory, go visit a country that I've never been to but very much would like to. Mm. Australia and New Zealand are two countries I've never been to but I would very much like to. But that's not what he asked. He did not say, hey, are you going to take that new direct flight from DFW to Australia? He asked about why people feel the need to discuss what really used to be a private thing. I mean, it, it, I don't want to say it was quasi-religious in terms of its privacy, but you just never ask, and rarely did you volunteer. Uh, and I guess maybe because I'm just old now, I mean, people like have fought and died to protect your right to not just vote, but to do so behind a curtain and in private. But we're living in a culture where literally everything is shared. You know, here, look, I found the parking spot or look, I'm blessed to have received a great job performance evaluation at work. So here, let me put it on social media and show you what my it's like. Nothing is private anymore. So I'm trying to remember that verse in the Bible. I probably will get this wrong, but uh, I think it's something about Mary kept those things and pondered them in her heart. It did not. And by the way, if you believe that, that was pretty big news she got. I, I just I just cannot believe that she kept it and pondered it in her heart. And now people like share every little detail of their lives on social media, including how they're going to vote, how they did vote, how quickly they voted. I don't know. I just I don't think it's good manners to ask people how they vote. I, I don't do it. I've never even I've never asked Terry how she voted. I mean, she, she may tell me she, she may not, but I just don't think it's any of my business how other people vote. It's not something I want to talk about. Reporters used to love to ask, hey, you know, who are you going to vote for for this, that or the other? And I'm sitting there thinking there's an entire cemetery dedicated to people who died. So I don't have to answer your question. I can I can vote behind a curtain and you'll never know. So, I, Mark, I don't know why people like declare their voting tendency I, I, any more than I know why they share every other detail of their lives that used to be like private. And my last little thing on this, and I, you know, I'm not picking on your generation, Mary Langston, because I got kids in your generation. But when I see everything in the world being made public, and then I hear these robust conversations about privacy, I just think there's a little incongruity between a desire to literally make every detail of life public and then talk about privacy. I just, I don't, I don't see the connection there, but don't know, Mark, 
I, I wish people did not. I, I wish. I mean, if people want to say how they voted, I guess that's fine. But um, you won't find me doing it. Well said, Trey. And thank you so much, Mark, for that question. Our next question is from Chris, who writes, do you think that hate must be an element of war or can there be war without any hate involved? Um, that's an that's an interesting question. Hate can often is an element of war. Uh, war involves killing people, injuring people, maiming people, hurting people. Although war can be, in theory, waged in self-defense, um, it's still the taking of a life, but it's the taking of a life with legal justification. So can there be war without hate? Can there be the taking of life without hate? Um, yes. I mean, the reasons people kill or take things they don't belong to them or wage war. Those things are often much more complicated than just simply hate. It, and it, sometimes it may or may not make us feel better to just assign it all to that word hate. Maybe killing or waging war is easier when you hate the other side, um, but it's not essential. What we do see, because the human mind is so complex and we we do want to demonize the other side because it does therefore make it easier to wage war and it is easier to kill or take property or take land or take lives. It is to use your phrase or it is much easier when you demonize the other side to engage in full throated war. But war can be waged in self-defense. War can be waged in defense of others. War can be waged reluctantly. War can be waged because you hate what the other side is doing or trying to do, but you do not, you know, in personam hate the other side. So because killing is often complicated, people do it for many reasons, some of which are actually legal. I mean, all, all you know. The Bible doesn't say thou shalt not kill. The Bible says thou shalt not commit murder. There are legally justified killings. War may be that in some instances. And in other instances, it's just a naked act of aggression. What I would encourage people to do, and it's not going to take them very long, is to read a dialogue between the Melians and the Athenians. It's called the Melian Dialogue. I think it's, uh, I think Thucydides recorded it. It is like this logical conversation about, about we are going to obliterate you from history. We're going to, we are going to wipe you from the face of the earth. We're going to kill all of your men and we are going to sell the women and children into bondage. And it is not, you know, when I think of hate and anger, it is uh, it is like a normal conversation, even though the end result is so horrific. So, no, I don't think hate has to be an element of war. I just think it makes it easier. Well said, Trey, on that question as well. And thank you, Chris, for the question. We'll answer more of your questions when we come back. 
From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. We'll start with our next question is from Paul, all the way from the Philippines, who writes, just finished your book and it was great. How do I get my soon-to-be 16-year-old daughter to read this great book? Um, I don't know which book they're talking about, but, you know, there's two different options or three, I guess. Yeah, I, my guess is they're reading the one about decision-making. Um, that's, that's the one I get the most amount of questions in terms of young people about. Um, the other book about asking questions is great if you are into persuasion, but this I take as an adult wanting to do exactly what I wanted to do when I wrote the book, which is save young people a lot of time and heartache. Mm. And, and you do not, I mean, you do not have to touch the stove to know it is hot. You are welcome to trust me. You're welcome to look at my hand and see that it's burned. You don't have to do it yourself. And I think that's what Paul is getting at. So my my bet is it's the most recent book, which is Start, Stay, or Leave. And Paul, what I would say, I mean, thank you for reading the book. What I would, what I would do if it were my own child or a teenager that I cared about, I, I would ask her to read just one chapter, see if it helps. I would probably pick the chapter on, you know, defining success in your own terms, not letting external influences tell you what a successful life is. In fact, I I, I don't even like the word success. I, I prefer the word significance. So I, I would ask her to start with one chapter. And if it helps, if it makes sense, if it offers something beneficial, uh, move on to another one. So all, all you're asking someone to do is to take 10 minutes, 10 minutes, invest that in what may possibly save you decades of searching and wandering and tumult and heartache. So what I do tell, because I do have, I have young people email me and say they read the book and my response is always, always the same. I wish that I had either read or been able to write that book when I was their age. I, I, I wish if I knew, if I knew then what I know now, all the things that I would do differently. And I, I'll give you just one example. I mean, I spent, you know, like a lot of people do, they spend their high school years comparing themselves to classmates. You know, this classmate makes better grades. This classmate's a better tennis player. This classmate is this. And and so you 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 measure yourself and you oftentimes, especially young people, maybe even especially young girls, they feel this sense of inadequacy. And what I would tell them and what I would tell myself right now is I, I get to decide what a significant life is. I get to define success. I'm not doing it by external factors. And oh, by the way, all those folks that I thought I wanted to trade places with when I was 16 years old, in hindsight, I would not trade places with a single solitary one of them. So I, I would I would say just look, give it a chapter, 
if, if you don't like it, if it's not resonating, if it's not helping you, you know, I don't use the term self-help a lot, but I guess that is, I guess that is the book. I guess it is considered self-help, but if it's not helping yourself, then, you know, don't keep going, but I'd give it, I mean, 10 minutes to learn the lesson of, of defining what a significant life. There's another chapter might be worth starting. The one about start at the end. I'm, I'm doing that right now with another book I'm writing. I can tell you the ending. I just can't tell you how we're going to get there, but I can tell you how it ends. You do that with life. What do you want the end to look like? Who do you want around you? What do you want said about you? And then are you making decisions that get you towards that desired closing argument? So if I had a 16-year-old in my life that I was trying to encourage, I would say I'm asking you for 10 minutes. I'm not asking you for 10 years. I'm not asking you for $10. I'm not asking you for anything other than just read a chapter and see if it resonates. I actually will we'll go after this, but I actually had, uh, he's, a, he's a very good friend of mine in Greenville. Yeah, he has a daughter that I've known her since she was a child. But she got this book as a graduation gift. Um, someone gave it to her. And she was really candid. She called me two weeks ago. She's having... Um, uh, not issues. She's not having any issues at all. She's got questions as it relates to the future, and she's currently in law school. And so I called her name and said, look, I know you have the book, and I doubt you've read it, and I don't want you to go read it, except I want you to read one chapter. I want you to go read one chapter. I've been in law school. I know exactly how you feel. I want you to go read that chapter. Um, and she did, and she wound up reading the rest of it. So unless you just feel compelled to make the exact same mistakes that other people have made, I mean, why would you not like at least give it give it 10 minutes worth of time? That's what I would say. Well, I hope she'll read it. And Paul, it's really kind that you reached out about that and you care about her to ask this question. We have one last question, and it's from Carol, who writes, I watched the entire trial of Jennifer Crumbly the mother of the Oxford High School shooter, and I'm surprised by the verdict. What am I missing? Carol, you're not missing anything. It's a, it's a very rare, unusual fact pattern. So you're not missing anything. Um, I think what the jury concluded is that this the mother had ample, both direct and, and, and circumstantial or, or constructive, both actual and constructive knowledge that her son was about to do something awful. And she did absolutely nothing about it. So this is very different from parents who don't know, who have no warnings, who have no prior knowledge. So no one is talking about criminalizing parents who don't know, who don't suspect, who are just as heartbroken as the rest of us are when their child does something that hurts or kills someone else. This jury, on the other hand, found Jennifer Crumbly guilty of involuntary manslaughter. She didn't pull the trigger, but she knew he might. I mean, I guess I would analogize it this way. It's sort of like knowing a drunk person is about to start driving. 
Do you say, hey, hey, take my car. Uh, you might get hurt, you know, less because I have a bigger car. Did you say, uh, hey, uh, let me, you know, put the directions in your navigation device for you. Maybe that'll help you, even though you can't even count backwards from 10. Or do you say you're not driving anywhere? I'm going to take the keys. This jury concluded she knew or should have known and did nothing. And I'll I'll leave this. I'll leave with a story from real life, one that I prosecuted about this whole notion of transferred intent, that you don't have to be the one who pulled the trigger to be responsible for the death or injury of other of other folks. I prosecuted a case where a man shot his girlfriend. He was on the front porch. He shot his girlfriend. She was hiding behind a tree, trying to hide behind a tree in the front yard. And the police got to the scene and, you know, I I won't go into great detail, but I mean, all the people who want to criticize police officers who have to make split second decisions. I mean, is the gun real? Is the gun loaded? Is he going to shoot her? Is he going to shoot us? Or do you just pull up and start shooting? But these two officers uh, did, in my judgment, exactly what they're supposed to do. They monitored the situation, and then in the blink of an eye, this defendant turned and fired his gun at his girlfriend, who was trying to hide behind the tree, and struck her with a bullet and killed her. So the officers returned fire, and they hit him. He was on the front porch of a mobile home. But the bullets also went through the the walling of the mobile home and hit a young person inside. So what's the charge? Are you going to charge a police officer who is firing in defense of others with a crime because a bullet went through a wall and hit a child that he didn't know was on the other side of the wall? Is that really what you're going to do? You're going to you're going to charge the cops because that is not what I did. I charged the man who shot his girlfriend also with the shooting of the child on the other side of the wall, even though it wasn't his gun and it wasn't his bullet. He is the reason that it happened. He is the proximate cause of those injuries. You can call it transferred intent. You can call it whatever you want to call it. But for a mother to know that their her child is homicidal and have all of the warning signs, and to do nothing, I am not surprised that a jury reached the conclusion that it did. Now, will it survive on appeal? Will the appellate judges say that this is criminal? Not that it's awful. I mean, we all know it's awful. We all know there's civil liability. We all know that being an awful parent's not a crime. But at some point it might be. And this jury concluded that it was. So I don't think, Carol, you're missing anything except the notion of this transferred intent, these when you have knowledge. It's one thing to not know. It is another thing, and apparently, even though I'm sure there's evidence on both sides, the jury concluded that she knew or should have known that her son was going to do harm to other people, and she did nothing about it. That's the way I analyze that verdict. Well, thank you so much, Trey. And thank you, Carol, for that question. And those are all the questions we have for today. 
that kind of ran the gamut. I mean, it did. We started with a new direct flight from DFW. If I can get <laughs> one of my friends to pay his golf debts, maybe I can go visit the land down under. And it ended with transferred intent, which is honestly a very, uh, there are some very, very complicated fact patterns. Imagine there's a roadblock. Have you seen those, Mary Linkson? I'm sure you've never been mm -hmm. subject to one, but have you seen roadblocks where police like stop, stop every car? Mm -hmm. All right. Imagine somebody goes barreling, speeding through a roadblock. Mm. And the police suspect that they um, are armed or dangerous and they fire their weapons and they hit one of their own. They hit another officer who is up there manning or womaning a different part of the roadblock. What do you attribute that to? Bad luck? I mean, certainly not going to. You're going to charge the police officer for shooting one of his brothers or sisters in blue? Mm. Or are you going to charge the person who really set the events in motion that led to the shooting? That's complicated fact patterns out there. But that's what we have juries for. And this jury concluded. I mean, she wasn't found guilty of murder. She was found guilty, I think, of involuntary manslaughter. Mm. So no parents should be on notice that. It's one thing to not know. It's another thing to sit there and know that your kid is doing and saying crazy things and doing nothing about it. Mm. You're so right on that, Trey. And on that note, that's all we have. So I guess we hope that you will send us more questions next week. And I hope so. And I hope to hear from all the Kansas City Chief and San Francisco 49er <laughs> fans that you know, want to make fun of me because my team not only isn't in the Super Bowl, but is not likely to ever be in the Super Bowl again as long as I live. So okay. they, we're going to hope they will one day. We can see I, it. I don't know. I better I better get Benjamin Button's disease and start <laughs> aging backwards then. So it, it, it doesn't look promising, but mm. I probably will break down, maybe and avert my eyes over there and look and see if it's a good game or not. So but for people who are highly invested in it, I hope it's I hope it's a great day. I hope the commercials don't offend anyone. And mm. I'll be sitting here doing my tax returns and watching the South Carolina Lady Gamecocks play the Yukon Huskies. That sounds like a good plan. And hopefully that turns out to be a good game as well. If it doesn't, then I'll be depressed and you'll know about it. <laughs> we will know. We will know for sure. All right. Y'all take care. Keep sending questions. Have a great week. We'll be back next Thursday. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.